Okay, we are on 4B, Dalit Amud Bays. Um, and um, we are two lines from the top, the second line from the top. And we're going to talk about more exceptions, more people that are exempt from um, appearing in the temple on the festivals and bringing the special appearance sacrifice. Tana. We learned in a Braisa. Both somebody that does not have a circumcision and somebody that is ritually impure, they are both exempt from bringing the Ri'ya offering, from uh, bringing the appearance offering, the sacrifice. It's understandable that somebody that is impure is exempt. Because the verse says, you shall come there and you shall bring there. You shall come to the temple and then you shall bring the sacrifice to the temple. Only those that are included in the commandment to come, are included in the commandment to bring. But anyone that isn't coming or isn't included in coming, does not is not included in the bringing of the sacrifice and somebody that is ritually impure is not allowed to step foot in the temple courtyard and if you're not allowed to step foot then obviously you're exempt from the coming and if you're exempt from the coming then you're exempt from bringing the sacrifice but somebody but a jew that does not have a circumcision even for legitimate reasons um from where do we know that they are not obligated in bringing the Ri'ya sacrifice. So Hamani, so who is who are we ruling light? Who is this going according to when we say that somebody that is uncircumcised does not need to bring a sacrifice? Rabbi Akiva, he, it's going according to Rabbi Akiva. Dimarabi la'arel ketame, because he learns that somebody without a circumcision is going to be equated to somebody that is ritually impure and therefore is not allowed to come to the temple courtyard. Ditanya, like we learned in Abraisa. Rabbi Akiva Omer, Rabbi Akiva says, Ish Ish, the verse tells us, Ish Ish, that a person, a person, now liter literally translated, it's a person, a person. The idea is, is any person who is a Kohen, who is a priest, from who is a um, either has saras who has leprosy, or is a zav somebody again a different type of ritually impurity ritually Im, ritual impurity, so we're saying any person that has any person who's a priest or any person, um yeah who is a priest who is a kohen who is ritually impure, and the question is that's and we're we're talking about they're not allowed to eat things that are. Holy, so they're not allowed to eat truma, the special gifts given to the Kohens. They're not allowed to eat sacrifices. But the question that Rabbi Akiva is going to deal with, or the point Rabbi Akiva is dealing with, is that there's an extra word, man. It says ish ish, a man, a man, which we're translating as any man, but really the, you do not need to say the word man twice. So obviously the extra word man is coming to teach us something. Lorabos es It's coming to teach us that 
somebody that is uncircumcised is included in this verse that is referring to somebody that um, is Tomei, that is referring to somebody that is ritually impure. And it's telling us that they are equated. And just like they are equated here, in that somebody that is uncircumcised would not be allowed to eat sacrifices or things that are holy, so too are they equated and not being allowed to come into the step foot into the temple courtyard. And what Rashi points out is that we're not only talking about not stepping foot in the temple courtyard, once you're included, once you are included in the prohibition, or the once you're not included in the obligation to come up to the temple during the festivals, um, obviously you can no longer bring a sacrifice because you have no way of getting there, but you also are not you also are exempt from sending a sacrifice to fulfill, to sending it with a messenger to fulfill the Olasriya, to fulfill the Riya sacrifice offering obligation. Okay. Tan Rabbanon, we're going to continue on on this point. Tan Rabbanon, the rabbis taught. Tamei patramin hariya dichsiv uvasa shama vahavesim shama. Somebody that is impure is exempt from bringing the Riya, exempt from the bringing the sacrifice. As the verse says, uvasa shama, you shall come there, vahavesim shama, and you shall bring there. Kol sheyeshno bavia, yeshno bhava. Anybody that's included in the coming is included in the bringing of the sacrifice. And anyone that is not included in the coming part of this, uh, coming to the temple during the festivals, is not included in the bringing of a sacrifice obligation. Rabbi Yochanan ben Dahavai, Omer Mishim Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yochanan ben Dahavai says in the name of Rabbi Yehuda, Somebody that is blind in one eye is exempt from bringing the Re'iyah offering is exempt from both appearing in the temple and bringing the Re'iyah offering. Shinemar, um, because the verse tells us, because, I'm sorry, because the verse says, that three times a year, I'm sorry, three times a year, um, all of your males shall be seen. Okay, and that word could be, shall be seen. The verse can be writ read that that Hebrew word year eh yud resh aleph hey can also be read as year eh, um, which means shall see. So that verse is all is can, is is connoting two ideas. Number one, that your males shall see God, and number two, your males shall be seen by God. And because of that joint understanding of the of that word the two ways of understanding, the two connotations of that word, we say the following teaching. So, in the way that God comes to see those that are coming up, those that are coming to the Temple Mount, so too does God come to be seen by those that are coming up. And what's the what's the lesson? The lesson is, just like God, comes to see the pilgrims with two eyes, right? Um, because God is perfect. So if we're going to, obviously God doesn't have eyes, God is infinite, but um, if we're going to describe God as having eyes, then of course God will have two eyes because God is going to have a perfect number of eyes. 
So we're saying, just like God comes to see the pilgrims with two eyes, so must God be seen by people with two eyes. And therefore, somebody that has is blind in one eye is exempt from bringing the Re'iyah sacrifice. Rav Huna, now we're going to um, talk more um, allegorically um, for the next little bit and look through at different verses that had an impact on the Scot, the great rabbis of the time. And the first one happens to be the verse we just spoke about. This seen, you shall see, shall be seen lesson. Rav Huna, when he would reach his this verse in the Torah of you shall see, you shall be seen, he would cry. Omar, because he would say to himself, A servant whose master so much wants to see him, looks forward to seeing him, yet, at the same time, you'll find that he's distancing himself from his servant. So, for instance, somebody that, right, for, so in this scenario, this person that's blind in one eye is, is told he need not come, Right, so that's a very that's a that was a very bothersome thing for him, that you had a master that badly wants to see his servant and now is telling his servant not to come. and this plays out later on, in in Jewish history in a very powerful and de- devastating way, as the verse says, um, as the verse says in Isaiah, Kisavo when you come to a see me, when you come to appear before me, me zos who asks you this from your hands? Ramos you come to just trample my courtyards. In that scenario, that's when um, God is, is 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 saying like, I don't want you to come anymore. Your behavior has been terrible. Um, Rav Huna, when he would get to the following verse, he would also cry. The verse tells us that you shall um, you shall bring. Shlomim offerings, and you shall eat them there. So we see that God really wants God's servants to come to them based on Mikdash, to come to the temple and even linger there. So Ebed Shirabo Metzapa Le'echol Al Shulchano, you have a servant whose master wants him to come and eat at his table. Yisrachik Mimenu, would this master eventually distance himself from his servant? And that is the reality later on in Jewish history. The verse tells us in Isaiah, why do I need your many sacrifices? God says, right? Your behavior has been terrible. It's not reflected. Your your sacrifices aren't reflecting your actual behavior. I don't want you to bother coming anymore. Rabbi Lazar came Rabbi Lazar, when he would get to this verse, Bachi, he would cry. Um, the verse goes as follows. Um, this verse is talking about when Yosef, Yosef, one of the 12 brothers, one of the 12 sons of Yaakov, of Jacob, um, he's sold into slavery by his brothers. He eventually becomes the viceroy in Egypt, and now he's revealing himself to his brothers. And the verse says, His brothers weren't able to respond to him because they were completely... Shocked, they were completely astounded by him. If the rebuke of flesh and blood can be like this, that it can leave somebody completely speechless, and he didn't even say anything, all he did was reveal himself to the brothers. 
just imagine how powerful the rebuke of the Holy One, blessed be He, can be. Rabbi Lazar, when he got to the following verse, Bachi, he would cry. Shmuel el Shaul. Shmuel said to King Saul, the first king of Israel, Shmuel was a prophet. Why did you bother to rise me up? So this is um this is an interesting story. King Saul, um, at this point, is um is very afraid because he's going to be going to war, and he can't seem to be getting any sort of godly reassurance that he's going to win. That he'll be that they'll be victorious. So after trying all these other mediums, he goes to a a a, a illegitimate medium. He goes to a necromancer. A necromancer, which is completely forbidden in Jewish law, to to be able to speak to the prophet Samuel, to the prophet Shmuel, from the grave. So here Shmuel is saying, "Why did you rise me? Why did you raise me up?" And in the words that Shmuel tells King Saul, you could see that he's very afraid, that he's very afraid of some sort of divine judgment. And if we can say that Shmuel the righteous, the prophet, was afraid of divine judgment, then us, how much more so? Shmuel Mahi, where do we see that Shmuel was afraid of divine judgment? Because in these in this story we see the following sentence. The woman said to King Saul, the necromancer said to King Saul. I saw a great man coming up, ascending. But Olim, the word ascending is plural. It implies that there were two people that the necromancer saw ascending. One was obviously Shmuel, one was obviously the prophet Samuel, and the other one we know, that was actually and the other Shmuel went and brought Moses, the greatest leader the Jewish people ever know. They brought Moses with him to uh, to rise up. Amarle to go and speak to King Saul. Amarle, and why did why did King why did Samuel do this? Why did Shmuel do this? Amarle, so he was saying to Moshe, he said to Moses, He didn't know why he was being brought up. Um, from the grave um, and he said perhaps god forbid i am being summoned to judgment and i'm afraid come stand with me so that you can support that there was nothing that's written in the torah that i have not fulfilled so we see that samuel thought that he was being summoned for divine judgment he was afraid and wanted to make sure to bring moshe together with him Rabbi Ami came Rabbi Ami, when he got to the following verse, Bachi, he would cry, Let him put his mouth to the dust, and perhaps there will be hope. Omar, Rabbi Ami would say, Here, this person, he's told to put his mouth to the dust, which means that he's really, he, he's, he's extending everything, expending all effort. All of this suffering, and only perhaps there's going to be hope. That was very saddening. 
Rav Ami came out to the high crowd of Ami. When he would get to this verse, he would Bachi, he would also cry. Bakshu tzedek, Bakshu anava. Seek tzedek, so seek justice, seek humility. Ulai tisasru b'yom Hashem. Perhaps you will be saved. Perhaps you will be concealed on the day of God's anger. Again, same concept. Omar Kulei hai. This person is doing so much. He's being righteous. He's being humble. Ulai, and still just perhaps he will be concealed on the day of God's anger. Rabbi Asi came out to the high crowd. Rabbi Asi, when he would get to the following verse, he would cry. Bachi, he would cry. Sinura ve'ehavutov. Despise wickedness, love goodness, v'hatsigu b'shar mishpat, and establish um, establish justice by the gate. Ulai yechanan Hashem elokets v'akos, because perhaps God of hosts will grant favor. So you're doing all these good things, kulei haiva ulai. You're doing all these good things, but ulai, and it's only perhaps God will grant you favor. That was something that made Rav Ami cry, Rav Asi cry. <laughs> Um, Rav Yosef Kimati Lahai Krabachi. Rav Yosef, when he would get to the following verse, he would cry. Mishpat. There are those that are taken without Mishpat, without justice, meaning there are those that die before their time, is the way many commentaries understand this. Omar, he would say, Is there really somebody that is taken before their time? In, yes. Like Ravibi Barabaye. Havashriach Gabe Malachamavis. The angel of death was very frequented visiting Rabbi and would often tell him stories. And sometimes the stories that he would tell would be referring to people that were taken before their time. And that's what we're going to discuss now. Omar Leili Shluche. One time, um, the angel of death said to his agent, Zil Aisili Miriam, may Godless say Arnishayo. He said, Bring me Miriam, the one that braids the hair of the women. So Miriam, who who worked at the salon, also I see Miriam Megadladardiki, the agent. Instead of bringing Miriam, the Miriam, the one that um, who worked at the the, the salon, the uh, the hairstylist, she brought instead a different Miriam. This was the Miriam that would take care of children. Um, Omar lay, so the angel of death said to his agent, I specifically told you to bring Miriam the hairstylist to me, that it was her, her time to die. Omar lay, the agent said back to him, If so, I will return this Miriam, the, 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 the child care provider, I will return her to life, and I will bring you Miriam the hairstylist. Omar lay, the angel of death told him, since you already brought her, let her be included amongst the dead. But wait a minute, if it wasn't her time to die, how are you able to take her? Is Rabbi asked the angel of death? So the angel responded, She was holding a poker for like the oven, a poker for the, the, for the fireplace in her hand. The Havis Kashagre, and she was putting it into the oven. Umecharya Tanura, and she was sweeping out the oven. Shekalta, she then took the poker, Ve'an Chasa, and put it on her foot. Um, and it, I'm sorry, she and she accidentally put it on her foot, which was obviously dangerous. Agaba Dakara, she accidentally put it on top of her foot. Agaba Dakara, on top of her foot. Kadcha, 
she burnt herself. The Isra Mazala, and at that moment, when she burnt herself, her mazel was um, was diminished. Her 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 mazel, her good luck, but much more than good luck. This is like serious good luck. Her mazel was diminished. By Tisan, at that point, I brought her. That's when I brought her, because at that point, when her mazel was diminished, um, she became she she didn't have that almost protecting her from being taken before her time. And this is something that obviously had, requires great discussion and a lengthy talk, a lengthy explanation. We'll just leave it for this right now because what we're trying to do in this class is more just um, see the concepts and answer the, the questions that, that uh, and, and more explain the flow of the Talmud, not necessarily understand every very deep and mystical concept that's being described. Amar le Rabbi Barbaye, Rabbi Barbaye said to the angel, Do you have permission to do this? Amar le, the angel said, yeah. Doesn't the verse tell us that there are those that are taken without justice? Amar le, Rabbi said to the angel, But wait a minute, doesn't it say that a generation goes and a generation comes? Which implies that the next gen- that the generation goes in its time, right? Is not taken before its time, and when that generation goes, then a new generation comes. Right? It sounds like everybody gets a complete amount of time. Omar the angel said, No, the ones that I take before their time, um, I take those with me until they have until that generation that they were supposed to be a part of is actually finished is actually complete the hadram is duma and only then do i give them to duma only then do i give them do i bring them to duma who is referred to as the the angel of the dead the one that would keep the dead so meaning if i take somebody early i don't bring them to the world of the dead yet i still allow them to roam this world with me just not as a physical being Omar Leir of Bibi said to the angel, so, so, but, but still, this person was supposed to have extra years, and he didn't, or she doesn't. What do you do with those extra years? So, so, in the end, what do you do with those extra years? Omar, so the angel answers, if there's a young Torah scholar, who, who is a forgiving person, I give those years to him, and he becomes a replacement for the deceased. And I specifically look for a Torah scholar, somebody whose actions are not, are, are good and who spends time on productive things because I give both the person, I give both the Torah scholar and the person that died credit for all of those actions that were spent being done in those extra years the Torah scholar was given. Okay, so we'll stop here for today. We spoke about some more exceptions to the rule of who has to bring this Re'iya sacrifice, the special festival sacrifice. And then we spoke about different verses that would cause the great scholars, the great rabbis to to become emotional. And then we spoke about, um, and then we spoke a little bit about the angel of death and, um, and, uh, and, um, how death works. Um, Okay, and we'll stop here. Have a great day.